0: Today, I'd like for us to look at a psalm that is a very special psalm, in my opinion. Psalm 116. And you have an outline of what we'd like to cover in your bulletins today. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death surrounded me, and the pains of Hades, Sheol, hell, the grave, the pains of the grave got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I ask you, deliver my soul. The Lord is gracious and righteous. And I noticed one of the songs dealt with actually part of what Gary read from Jeremiah speaks of the Lord being righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return to your rest, O my soul, because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. (laughs) What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now, in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant and the son of your handmaiden. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Perhaps you'd agree with me that this is a remarkable and beautiful psalm of witness and testimony. Going back to the beginning, look at the first two verses there. They deal with love, with prayer, with trust in God. I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications. He's heard my prayer. Because He's inclined His ear to me. Because He's listened. Because He's truly hearing what I say. Therefore, In the light of that, I will call on him as long as I live. Do you feel that way? Do you feel you can trust God not only now, but throughout all the days of your life? You know, the Bible is strong about prayer. Let me show you a couple of statements here in the New Testament. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. 18 Ephesians 6:18. praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So it tells us we should always be in an attitude of prayer. We should be praying continuously to God. And then perhaps you know what it tells us here in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6. Basically, it says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, along with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So along with the psalmist, we are encouraged to pray, to love God, to trust God for all things. Now, when we heard about our one of our sons and his wife being stranded up there at Kybers, weren't allowed to go on home to South Lake Tahoe, sitting in a car with the motor going, when I went to bed that night knowing all that i prayed god would help me sleep (laughs) here's where prayer comes in here's where trust kicks in in the everyday things of life we need to pray about them in fact as it said there in philippians don't worry about anything (laughs) well that's something could have kept me awake all night and I really didn't want to be awake all night before I was here sharing with you today. <laughs> and I prayed, and thank God, I, I went to sleep okay. <laughs> well, they did get back, like I say, to our house because they couldn't go on to their house about 1.30. And thank the Lord, Kerry was in sleeping in our living room, and he could take care of things and help them at that point. So prayer is a very practical thing. We pray because he's there. We pray because we love him, because we trust him, and because he can help us in everyday events. Back to Psalm 116. It goes on in verses 3 and 4. Very descriptive. Have you ever experienced anything like this? He says, the sorrows of death surrounded me, and the pains of Sheol or Hades got a hold on me. I found trouble and sorrow. You ever felt that way? You ever felt just totally caught in the bounds of affliction, problems? troubles, difficulties that are overwhelming. You know, this passage reminds me very much of what we find in the book of Jonah. You remember who Jonah was. He's a prophet. He didn't want to go and do what God told him to do. The Assyrians were a very bad people. In fact, I understand Kerry, I believe, is the one that told me about this. He knows a man from Assyria, and he said the Assyrians are bad people, (laughs) very cruel. And Jonah did not want to go and preach to the Assyrians. They might repent. God might not punish them. He didn't want that. They were Israel's enemies. He felt they were awful people. We read about it in Jonah chapter 2, what happened to him. Jonah went the opposite way from where God had called him to go. But God didn't let loose of him. God was going to have his way, and Jonah was going to end up and preach to the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians. And finally, a big storm came. Jonah admitted, This has happened because of me. (laughs) Throw me overboard. And they didn't want to do that, but he insisted, and finally then they did throw him overboard. And a big fish came and swallowed him up. (laughs) That should have been the end of Jonah. But guess what? In chapter 2 of Jonah, he talks about it. We find in verse 3, "...you had thrown me into the deep, into the midst of the seas." And the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. See, he felt very much like what we found described there in Psalm 116. But then what did he do? He prayed out of such an impossible situation. He trusted God. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in to God into his holy temple. So from the belly of the fish, God hears him in heaven. But notice what he named God. In verse seven, I remembered the Lord. Now in the old King James, it's all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that means that in the original Hebrew, the word is Jehovah. Personally, I think the translators did us a disservice in not translating it that way. You see, Jehovah was the true God revealed to his chosen people. The very name Jehovah indicates that he is self-existent and that he is eternal. He is the true God, as opposed to the gods and idols of others. And so, out of this impossible situation, Jonah cries out to the true God. So, in the Old Testament, particularly starting at the time of Moses, he was known as Jehovah, the ever-living, self-existent God. Earlier, he was known as El or Elohim, God, God Almighty. In the New Testament, he's been further revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're so happy that God has so shown himself to us. One of the songs is about wanting to see God. Well, he's revealed himself as Elohim, as Adonai, as Jehovah, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, but eternally Existent in this way and so Jonah prayed to him he prayed to the Jehovah God the true and almighty God and God listened to him and you know the story how the whale finally spit him out and right there at the shore and he ended up going and preaching to the Ninevites to the Assyrians there and guess what? From the king on down, they repented. They changed their ways, and God backed off for the time being concerning his judgment. Just what Jonah didn't want to happen, and yet Jesus used Jonah as a great example of a preacher, the great response that he got. And so in spite of himself, he gave God's word, and God showed his mercy and his love. Now, having said that, let's go back to Psalm 116. In his trouble, as we saw there in verse 4, Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, O Jehovah, I ask you, deliver my soul. Then it goes on in verses 5 and 6. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Three great things. He's gracious. He's a God of grace. He helps us. We don't deserve it. He's righteous. He's without sin. He's holy. We know that's true, and we are called upon to be that way in our lives. And he's merciful, it says there in verse 5. He helps us. He's merciful toward us. He meets our needs. He answers our prayers. He's real and true. He's there. As he was with Jonah, as he was with the writer of this psalm. He's all these things. And then it therefore goes on, verse six the Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Ah, very personal, is it not? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Have you ever been brought low? Have you ever been humbled? Humility is a good thing. Many in the world don't understand that. People are proud. The devil was proud and rebelled against God. But God calls us to be humble. Now, those of you who were able to be here last Sunday, remember how that fit into what we spoke about. Over in the book of Philippians, it talks about humility it uses as an example the lord jesus in philippians 2 leading up to that it says in verse 3 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but instead in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves and so we dealt with that last Sunday God calls us to be humble people, humble before him and humble before one another. In fact, it even says, consider the other person better than yourself. We are to be humble. And so back here in Psalm 116, he said, I was brought low, (laughs) all these afflictions, like Jonah, and he helped me. When we are humble, we become candidates for God's grace and righteousness and mercy. The Lord preserves the simple, I was brought low and he helped me. Very personal. That's the way it ought to be. We should have a personal relationship with God who helps us, even though in ourselves we are not perfect but through our trust in Jesus God gives us his perfection his righteousness and i really love what it goes on to say here in verses 7 and 8 this is a to me a fantastic statement a great statement of aspiration and of witness what happened he as it were speaks to himself he says to his soul, return to your rest. See, he remembered how it had been before the affliction, all these troubles that he'd had. And so he exhorts his own soul, his own person, to return back to that kind of restful peace that you had. Return to your rest, O my soul, because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you in overabundant, beautiful ways, helped you. And how I love verse 8. Because you have delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. What a beautiful descriptive witness he gives. He prayed God was real, God answered And he expressed this kind of an experience, this kind of deliverance, this kind of victory in his life over difficulties and over death. And so he encourages himself to return to that rest that he had once experienced. But he said, you did deliver me a personal thing. I experienced it. It's true, and I want to share it with other people As well. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from falling. Then it goes on, verse 9 and into 10 I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I have spoken. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I believed, and therefore I have spoken now that's so important that it's picked up in the new testament 2 corinthians chapter 4 beginning in verse 13 we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written i believed and therefore i have spoken you see he's quoting there we also believe and therefore we speak knowing that he who raised up the lord jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. We know these things are true. These things are going to happen. And so we witness to them. We speak of them. Now back to one sixteen again. We find it in the beginning or the end of verse 10 and into 11. I was greatly afflicted. He said, I was really going through a terrible time. And I said in my haste, all men are liars. (laughs) Have you ever said in your haste things you wish you hadn't said? I mentioned before that there's a saying, neither a stone nor a word can be called back. (laughs) The ripples are made, the damage is done. (laughs) I spoke in my haste. Yes, I think we've all done that. We've said things we wish we'd never said. (laughs) It's an easy trap into which to fall. Not too long ago, I spoke from the book of James, chapter 3, where it talks about controlling our tongues and how important that is. About the time June and I got married, she was teaching third grade Sunday school at First Baptist Fullerton. One day I was up in the room where she would teach that, and I saw a reference, Psalm 141.3, written down. That says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. We need God's help to control the tongue, don't we? And there's a prayer that that would happen, a prayer I think that we can all echo We need God's help. Help us, Lord. Help us not speak in haste and say things we wish we had never seen said. Going on then, 12, 13, and 14. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? That's a great question. You know, how can we pay God back? (laughs) We really can't when you come right down to it. But once we truly trust him, we can give him what we can. But how am I going to pay God? Well, verse 13, at a NAV conference, I heard this spoken about years ago. How am I going to pay him back? I will take the cup of salvation. (laughs) It's not a matter of paying him back, really. It's a matter of receiving what he offers to us. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us childship, sonship, becoming his spiritual children. He offers all that because Jesus came. We think about that at Christmas time. He was incarnate. He became a man, Mary's son, very human. And then he died on the cross for you and for me and for the whole world. And then he rose from the dead. <laughs> God did that, something we cannot do, but we can take the cup of salvation. (laughs) We can reach out and offer and receive what God so graciously offers to us. It's a matter of faith. We can never pay Him back, but we can take it. We can honor Him and believe Him and trust in Him fully. He forgives us, He gives us a place in heaven. It's a matter of grace. I will take the cup of salvation and I will call on the name of the Lord. And we talked about prayer did we not? But then because of this is all being so, he says I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to put off it. I'm going to do it in the presence of all his people. Did you notice that was repeated in verse 18? I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. And so we need to follow through with our faith and our commitment to God, do we not? We need to do what we said we'd do, not have, you might say, a situation like sometimes the soldiers in a war where they say, God, get me out of this and I'll, I'll serve you. Then God gets them out of it, and then they go their merry way, and they forget all about what they've said. <laughs> no, he says, now I'm going to follow through. I'm going to pay my vows in the presence of his people. Now, having said to that, we come to another verse that is, in a sense, quite unique, a verse that I'd have us to think about. It's worth thinking about. Verse 15, I venture to say it's one of my favorite passages, favorite verses. What's it say? Verse 15, Psalm 116. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of all his saints. Precious, valuable, costly in the sight of God is the death of all his saints. Think about that. When you as a Christian die... That's something God is extremely interested in. It's precious and valuable in his sight. Now, what actually happens when a Christian dies? Well, you remember Jesus. What did he say on the cross? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The spirit leaves the body if you're a believer, it goes to be with Jesus, goes to be with God. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen considered the first martyr when he was being stoned to death. Lord Jesus, into your hand I commit my spirit, my soul. He knew that to die was to leave this body, his spirit would leave and be with Jesus. That's what happens when a Christian dies. It's precious in the sight of God when that happens. We all, from the moment we were born, are headed toward that passage from this world into the next. And it's precious in God's sight, and it's wonderful to know what happens to the Christian absent from the body, present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5. But then there's something else that will happen later. Jesus is going to come back someday. We don't know when. We need to be ready all the time. And when he comes back, we are going to receive new bodies. So the spirits that are with God, the redeemed, perfected spirits... Hebrews chapter 12. They will be clothed upon with a new body, a body of flesh and bones, not blood. That was shed for us. Jesus' body had flesh and bones. It didn't need blood. But we'll get a new body, it says, like his glorious body. These old bodies have their afflictions and their problems and their pains. I know one of you has had trouble with needs, that's no fun. But just think, someday God's gonna give us a brand new body, a true body. We consist of soul, spirit, and body. We see this in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty three. They will all be redeemed and eternal and without the sin nature forever. Precious in the Lord is the death of his people. Immediately in his presence with a perfected spirit and a redeemed soul and ultimately a body like his glorious body. And so when a loved one goes, if that person knows Jesus, we can enter into this victory, into this faith, knowing that these things are so And that that person is far happier than he or she could ever be in this life with the Lord forevermore. Precious, costly, valuable in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now you might say, well, I don't feel like a saint. (laughs) If you look at Romans 1-7, you see that all Christians in God's sight are called Saints. (laughs) not just certain eminent ones that the church says should be called saints, but all Christians. And the important thing then is to live that way, to accept that as the gracious gift of God and to seek to live as close to him and like him as we possibly can with his help and his strength. We should study his word every day. We should pray constantly. We should trust and we should love him, and we too then can have witness of God's redeeming grace and help in our lives. Back to Psalm 116, beginning in verse 16. O Lord, truly I am your servant. Hope we can all say that. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. And then again, I will pay my vows now to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. What a prayer, what a statement of commitment. And that is what we should all feel and do as well. Not only do we commit ourselves to the Lord when we accept Jesus, but it's to be a daily committal. He calls us to take up our cross every day. Well, what was the cross used for? To kill people. What does he mean when he says take up our cross every day and follow him? It means we're to die to self and selfishness. That we might live for God and turn our lives over to Him. And so we find that kind of death too that we experience, and that's pictured in baptism. It's important that a Christian be baptized. Pictures death, burial, and resurrection. Death to the old life, taking up our cross, and then living the new life, the new life in Jesus. You come up from the water, it pictures a resurrection. And so that's to be our daily experience with the Lord. And it's great and appropriate how the psalm ends. Verse 19, the end. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You praise the Lord. You can enter into these wonderful thoughts and then you along with the psalmist can praise the Lord. God who has delivered you. God who is delivering you. God who will deliver you. And we find that, by the way, in Corinthians as well. In one sense, I'd like to reread the psalm again. It's so great. But I'd ask you to perhaps do that this afternoon, to reread it and think about what has been said about it. And as you read, ask God to help you and to apply it to your own life and to give him all the glory. May we have a prayer of dedication. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful psalm. Thank you how personal it is and what huge, wonderful truths it proclaims. We thank you for the witness of the psalmist, how you helped him. And we know that we, too, our candidates for your help as we trust you, as we believe, as we commit to you. Help us right now in our hearts to do that very thing between you and ourselves. May we affirm our faith in Jesus. May we affirm it again as we live for him every day. In his wonderful and gracious name we pray. Amen. God willing, see you next Sunday.